Manchester said, you're going to stay, you will know that Tottenham are shit. Tottenham Hotspur are shit. Singing along there. <laughs> yeah, I can see in the backstage. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Mr. Arsenal podcast for the first podcast for a while. Um, Steve is on his way, I assume. Um, we haven't heard from him all day, but we have sent the link, so hopefully he'll be joining us soon. As you can see, I'm already joined by Andrew. How are you doing? How's your weekend been, Andrew? Yeah, not bad, thanks, mate. Not bad. It's uh, title-winning form this weekend, considering we haven't even kicked a ball. <laughs> exactly. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I didn't realise until after the full time because I was doing a watch on for the West Ham game. And they put the tables up. We've got three games in hand over over West Ham now. We make them if we make them count and also do our job with all the other games in between. <laughs> it could be very interesting. Put it that way. I preferred. Well, it's in our hands, isn't it? Now, mm. basically, so Tottenham are spursing it up themselves as we always do. Man United uh, being the usual late of late Man United. Uh, it's unlucky that uh, Leicester couldn't beat West Ham today, but um, still a good result because they dropped points. So, brilliant weekend all round, really. Yeah, and uh, Stephen, unknown, unknown, and Greeny's joined us back in the chat. How are you doing, guys? Hope you're all keeping well. Um, oh, yeah, it's been a very good weekend. I mean, <laughs> couldn't ask for a much better weekend, apart from obviously... You know, Anyway, could got could have got better if Southampton and Leicester done a better job. But um, again, in terms of Tottenham, I mean, someone was saying in the chat earlier when the other stream I did is this is the first time Tottenham um, have lost three games on a bounce. And it's the f- for a, what, it's the first time, first time for Conte since two thousand and nine. Yeah, thirteen years. And guess who they've yeah. got next? Man City. Man City. <laughs> 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 I know. Well, there's. I mean, I said to when I, when he uh, was appointed, I tweeted out straight away. Well, that's a nail in his coffin for his uh, managerial career. You know, joining yeah. the, the actually joining Spurs was not a good move for him because he's not going to come out. I said he won't come out of this enhancing his reputation in any way. And it's certainly going that way. And he's already looking really annoyed. He's looking agitated. He's looking like he's, you know, going to up sticks and just walk out at any point. 
And uh, I just hope he doesn't do that just yet because this form they're on is fantastic. Antonio, if you're watching, please stay at Tottenham until I get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> then he can leave. <laughs> <laughs> Once the map has gone out, out of this league, your job's done. Mission accomplished. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, well, they're, they're not mathematically good. safe yet, are they? So yeah. that's good. Yeah, exactly. Fucking <laughs> 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 we're, we're halfway through the season, boys and girls. <laughs> I know, and uh, and even Villa lost, which you know well, my feelings was... on Villa as well. We've, with my kids and everything, yeah. so that's it's just even the icing on the cake. It's been a very good weekend, hasn't it? Then <laughs> for the family. <laughs> oh dear, the, kids, the local kids won't be happy tomorrow morning. Well, you can't, you can't beat Newcastle; you don't deserve to. But, you know, oh no, yeah. it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And they had the goal disallowed, so it couldn't couldn't be much better, really. Yeah, toenail as well. I watched. I saw the the, uh, the review, and it was like a toenail offside. <laughs> Gotta make it up. Makes it even funnier. Oh dear. Evening fellas. Uh do you feel do you not feel that if content is given times and some money, he'll improve them? That's a big it, it's a this is Tottenham and Neville we're talking about. This is a big if in terms of money. It's not it, about that either. It's about Conte walking out, which he's you know, look for his history. It, if he's it, not it, getting it, what he wants, he's not happy, he'll just walk it, out. They just won the title with Inter Milan because they said that they need to sell some players, he was gone. Yeah, you know, like no payout, and I think just resigned. Yeah, you don't care, you don't care at all. He, and if his uh, reputation is going to get worse and worse under Tottenham, good this squad that they've got because the squad is, you know, they've got some good players, but overall their squad is pretty poor in lots of areas of the pitch. Then his reputation is going to go down and down, but he he'll just walk out before that happens. It's Conte we're talking about. It's it's not a matter of them giving him time and money. It's whether he will have the patience hmm. as well. You've got to count that into the situation. So, um, no doubt he's obviously got a great track record. He's a good manager, but he's at Spurs. And it was the worst move he could have made. Two weeks later, <laughs> two <laughs> bloody weeks later, he could have got Man United job. What's, again, I remember saying at the time, people can quote me on Terrible. this, I literally said when he was appointed, I said, I, I'm not actually, I'm genuinely not scared of him being at Tottenham because I know no. the animal what Tottenham itself is. And I know he's been probably sold a story. He's brought into it, and come to come to winter window just gone. He's probably thinking, "Oh fuck, I fell for it." Mm. And whereas if he if he'd held out for two more weeks and gone to United, I would then genuinely be fearing, fearing Conte at Man United because he could do a job there. Yeah, because look at he's got, he's got pretty much a really made squad. It's just getting him to toe the line, and he would get him to toe the line. He has that sort of. Aura about him that he takes no crap, no matter who you are. So Ronaldo wouldn't last five minutes, basically. Mm. Whereas it's Tottenham, Tottenham for calling it. Now Harry Kane does even now. Even Harry Kane now is hit and miss still. Yeah, I know. Man City don't even want him now. So, his um, his career's going nowhere. He's you know he's disillusioned. He's got he wanted to leave. We all know that he wanted to leave in the summer. He stayed and he's trying to make it all look good with the fans and everything, trying to appease them. But at the end of the day, he does not want to be there. And mm. as each match progresses and they lose more and more and more ground on the on the top teams, he's going to get more and more and more disillusioned, Harry Kane. And, uh, mm. I mean, a couple of my comments saying that he might end up at United in the summer. I mean, potentially, yeah, but mm. it's looking more and more like 
that uh, Pochettino will get his move finally. They've been after Pochettino and grooming him for how long now? I mean, for a long time. And uh, I don't think he will stay at PSG beyond the summer. I think it's nailed on that Pochettino will go there in the summer personally. Mm. Um, But you never know. I'm not ruling out Conte going there, but I I think it's more likely that it's going to be Poch. Yeah, I mean, as as I've already said with Conte, Itself at United, he'd do he'd do a far better job there. That'd be more that'd be more of a career uplift in what he's doing at the moment because he's he's not got the resources and he he as you said earlier he ain't got that patience to go. You know what? Give it give it time. They'll they'll, back, they'll give me the money eventually. We'll get the players I want eventually. He ain't that sort of manager. We saw it. No, he ain't. We even saw it at Chelsea after his, his second season. Yeah, so, like, yeah. He, he wanted other players and he was getting lots of Ross Barkley. He lost the plot. Hmm. He's he's not a patient man. No. <laughs> he's really not. And uh, yeah, I mean, like Steve said in the chat, so he's what mm. fearing Wolves more than Man United and Spurs. I, yeah. I felt like that before we played Wolves, and I was really really worried about them. And it proved to be the case. It just shows you again that we we managed to, you know, we're backs against the wall, one nil win, which you know I predicted. I thought it was going to be that way, and then. Uh, then they go and beat Spurs today. So it just shows you that they are a decent team. So it's a massive result we got over them. And um, mm. the fact that we've got them again in a less than couple, two weeks' time, weeks, yeah, yeah it's, that could be a real, real big game. Well, it will be. No, mm. no doubt it will be a really big game. But we've just got to um, get, get our own back and you know put the, set the record straight against Brentford first, uh, which uh, both games are at home. Yeah. So that's a that's a really really good thing. So got to got to back us. I mean, we've been. I mean, we said before. Um, I don't know if it was during the last watch along that we can't take into. Sorry, we can't forget that. I know it's a calendar year thing, and it spreads across two seasons. But we've been really really quite consistent since uh, the Christmas before last. You know, since mm. Boxing Day, we've actually. Cons- consistently managed like top four form over that period of time, so we've got to give ourselves a bit more credit, really, and back ourselves a bit more. Uh, I'm, I'm talking. I say we've got to, and blah blah blah. I think I've got to because I get, I do get worried before games like the Wolves game and everything. But we have, at the end of the day, we've don't go. You know, don't get me wrong. We've made some mistakes and we've lost some stupid games like Everton and Man United, and you know we've. we've Brentford, drawn against, yeah. drawn against uh, Burnley, for example. But they again, mm. they've they they haven't lost for four games. You know, they've drawn against Man United as well, and blah blah blah. So they're not absolutely appalling team, although we all hate them. Well, I hate them, but um, I've got to give I've got to give myself more credit. You know that we've actually have been prog- yeah, progressing really well with our results. Mm. Uh, just saying in the chat, before we get too excited about top four, let's remember we have to play Chelsea away, one of our games in hand, by the way, because they, mm. they had to play this World Cup Cup bollocks. Spurs away, which I don't think is going to be a problem, but I sound a bit. No, nah. <laughs> nah, <laughs> no, definitely. Don't not. get carried away there, but still, it's looking good there. Want to play? Want to play Maysap? Uh, West Ham away. Well, it depends. What have we got well, just, away? Basically, what you're saying there, Richard, is we actually play in the Premier League. Yeah. That's yeah. it. But I've uh, got Saints. Well, I mean, the Newcastle away won't be a problem. But at the time we play, we think we play on the weekend before the end of the season. So it won't be much of a problem. They'll probably be safe by then or 
If not, they'll be gone by one of the two. Um, Villa away. I think at the out of our kind of our coming fix, six, oh, six, six fixtures we've got coming up. Villa away mm. is the one that, can, that, that sort of worries me at the moment. Like that that could be a potential potential banana skin potentially. But the others, I think we could we could quite easily walk away if we if we turn up on the day three points in every game, maximum points going into that Villa game. It just depends on what Arsenal turns up in them games, obviously. Well, like I said, we we need to give ourselves more credit in the fact that we have been better in these games. Um, look at, sorry, look at last year with Wolves away. Look at, look yeah, at, I know. We had to dig deep with 10 men. Last year we had nine men. I know. And we, we you know, we did... This last season we did the double over Chelsea, wasn't it? Yeah. Three one so, and one I'm not saying that's going to happen again by any stretch of the imagination, but we're competitive against them, and they're not they're not ripping up trees themselves. I mean, if we win our games in hand, which is a big if, but if we do, you know, we're only two points behind them. Hmm. So, like I said, I've, you know, give our give us some more credit with the way that we are performing. With every team in the league is going to drop points, hmm. um, and we've just and we are going to drop points. But oh, yeah. we've just got to try and remain as consistent as possible. And like, and, mm. uh, but the, the point I was trying to make is we have been really quite consistent since, uh, well, for the last fourteen months. months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, let's just let's let's just be grateful that top four is a realistic op- op- option for us because. Yeah. It's a long time since we said that, and it's it's really nice to be able it to have it's a season as well. Well, exactly, but, but you know what? It's it's nice to actually have an interest in the other results when Arsenal aren't playing, hmm. because that hasn't been the case for a long time. You know, yeah. it's it's lovely to be able to look at the at the table and think, oh god, you know, the, it's been a great weekend because they lost and they lost and they lost. That hasn't mattered recently, has it? Over the last few years, <laughs> so it's nice to have that back you know that's that's a really nice thing for me that we can have a great weekend without kicking the ball because it's it's put us in a better position in the league and it's been a long time so let's just enjoy it yeah but the fact that we're in a top four shout and we're still not getting spoken about you know i'm watching sky right the way through the end they they skip over arsenal in the league yeah no no talking about the fact that we've got these games in hand and if we win them we're actually in the top four hmm they didn't even, even mention even it. We win two and draw one or lose one. We're still in the top four by yeah. three points. Something yeah. Like that. It's it's really, I mean, it's good. And it, you know, I'm I'm choosing to be more positive about it because our form, it's regularly said, you know, during that last calendar year, which is, I know it's not relevant because it crosses over two seasons. But when you're looking about consistency, you know, like, Richards has put there, he's losing 14 games. It's Boxing Day. It is because it puts us in the top four. If you count out all the teams' form since that day, we would be in the top four. You can't argue with that, you know. And I know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it it doesn't mean anything apart from the fact that we have had a lot more consistency than we've had for quite a while in the league. You know, our, our, it's, it's not horrific. <laughs> it was dreadful the last um, yeah, the uh, beginning, we... beginning of last season, wasn't it? But yeah. since then, we haven't been as bad as we think we have in lots of cases. Hmm. Another thing we've done, well, obviously the week just gone by, we've actually took advantage 
of other things, other teams fucking up in terms of obviously mm. often West Ham winning them on Tuesday, uh, Tottenham lost, United lost, and we took advantage of that the following day and won our game. And years gone, and the last few years we haven't been doing that. Another reason why we haven't been in this position before. And like I said, this, I've said this for the last last few days. If if you'd come to me after we lost to City five 0 and said, "Don't worry, come um, February thirteenth, you'll be you'll be with three games in hand, two points away from full." I know. And yet, I'll accept your hand off for it. Be honest. I know, and. You know, it's tough enough being an Arsenal fan, you know, in the best of times, but why can't we just enjoy where we are at the moment and, you know, and think that the fact that we've got this chance, even if it is just a chance, it's really nice to feel that like that way. And like I said earlier, actually have an interest in other games going on near the top of the league because it affects us. Hmm. It's just lovely having that feeling back that other games matter and uh, other teams slipping up actually do really mean something to us in the league. Other than just the banter, basically, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Stephen also saying in the chat, people are saying Spurs have a better chance of getting top four over Arsenal because they have a better manager. They might have to. They might have a better manager, but he's not a miracle worker. He has Kane and Son. Yeah, I know. And, you know... He's only classed as a better manager at the moment because of his previous track record and the experience, basically. Yeah. The experience, yeah. But you know, who's to say he's going to be the better manager in the long run? I mean, we can't at the moment. So at least uh, Arteta's already got one major trophy under his belt in such a short period of time. Yeah, but hopefully, the point I'm trying to make is hopefully over the long term, when we're talking about three, four, five, six seasons down the line, if he's still with us. You know, we might end up having the better end of the deal with who we've got mm. rather than bringing in Conte and then having to pay him off about 20 million quid because the <laughs> you know, results haven't gone his way. I don't know. I've just been uh, on the positive side today because I think we had a lot of luck against Wolves. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to start, start going into that game now. It probably yeah, seems a good time. But... From, good, that's, a, that's a good point there. Maybe the reason why we can't enjoy it now is because when we did finish top four all of them years, like third, fourth, third, fourth after I moved to the Emirates, it was considered not good enough. And, and we had Scalacci and Sylvester as our partnership. Jesus Christ, don't remind me. I know, but it, it's a completely different time now because um, there's more teams in the league They've got a lot more money and a lot more teams that yeah that mm. are competing right at the top of the league. Back then, it was just us and Man United, the, the main threat, and then Chelsea obviously started coming through. Um, and they were the first, and they were the first of the yeah. the money clubs who started to try and buy their way to success. And it's not the case anymore. We've got more teams. You've got Liverpool who've done it the right way in in lots yeah. of ways. Obviously, you're not saying, but they weren't the, the force that they were back then, were they? They. they, yeah. they yeah, they were what we are now, basically, just that team in an amount yeah. top four, basically. But I've said I've said this before, and I'm sorry for repeating myself. But at the beginning of the year, that we've got no right to finish above Man City, Man United, Chelsea, and Man United no. um, and um, Liverpool. No, but perhaps they should be the top four. Uh, yeah, so by the squads, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got the other ones. You've got uh, obviously yeah, Leicester are doing terribly sorry. at the moment, but you've got Spurs yeah. and. And a few others West that are always, well. 
yeah, you've always got none. You always got this one team like West Ham yeah. are this season that's uh, you know doing exceptionally well. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've got no right to be where we are, but we are. You know, but back then, like what Richard said, it, it's because there wasn't the, the amount of money in the, in the league then. Man City was still Man City at that point. They weren't who they are now. You know, and uh, I say Chelsea had only just sort of started around that sort of time, and they're. Look what they've done now. They've won every single available cup to them under Abramovich now after they won the Club World Cup. There's yeah, nothing they haven't won. So, and and that wouldn't have happened without the money. So the league is, is a completely different kettle of fish now. We, we've got no right mm. to be in the top four, which is why top four now is a far, far bigger achievement than it was back then. Even though we had the players like Squalacci and Sylvester and blah, blah, blah. We had the experience on our side and we had the momentum and we were battling against Man, City, Man United and it was uh, either us or them pretty much every mm. single season. But it's not the case anymore. It's a completely different uh, field of play and, yeah, a hell of a lot has changed. So to get top four now with this youngest average squad in the, in the Premier League with a rookie manager would be a huge achievement. Massive. How many other teams would rip their right arm off if we, you know, to swap places with us? How many teams would rip their right arm off now to swap their places with us in the league where we are right this minute? To have this opportunity. Yeah. So Um, um, we're just getting there now. We're just, it's taking too long, but we're getting there now and we've, we've done the clear out. We've done the massive spring clean on the squad. There's probably still one or two players that we still need to get out but we're nearly there and the work that we've done in January has gone a long way to, to clearing the the ground the ready for ready for the summer's purchases because we, we had a bloated squad we've got a you know thin squad now as everyone knows but that's making room for the new players that have got got to and Mikelot has already said are going to come in in the summer yeah and um which is saying, obviously, so others have improved and we sh- and showed ambition. We did, and that's, again, that's the club, the club. We know that that's not a, that's not a, 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 a dark secret that no one knew about. Even as Arsenal fans and neutral fans alike knew, we that the club itself got comfortable. They got they thought they were that was guaranteed every year, and when it when they lost it, they panicked. And in the meantime, other teams have just gone boom, 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 boom. Yeah, but is it classed as not showing ambition because we haven't been taken over by the far by the Middle East? No, I think you know, it's on about the likes of Leicester City and your Tottenham's and teams yeah, like West Ham's like that. You think it's on about them sort of teams. Just, yeah, but they haven't improved ma- uh, massively over and above us. You could probably say Leicester have had a better backroom cool team and they've done better than us in recent years regarding winning the league and stuff. But it's not them really we're talking about with regards to the top four. It's, it's Man City that have come in and spent, you know, how many billions of pounds Chelsea, how many billions of pounds? Now Newcastle are going to do it. That's another top four place that should should be gone mm. in two or three years' time when they've got they've, mm. they've done all their work behind the scenes and replaced every all the players in the squad. So it's going to be even mm-hmm. more even harder to get a top four place then because you've got the money clubs, you've got Man City, you've got Chelsea, then you've got Newcastle United, and then it's going to be Liverpool. Man United, obviously, um, Man United, who have also got you know un- untold riches because of mm. their marketing all over the world. It's going to be uh, us, Liverpool, 
uh, Man United vying for that fourth, other fourth spot, and other clubs yeah. that come along. Like obviously, you got still yeah. you still have your Spurs who would always sort of be there and thereabouts. So it's going to be even tougher. But you know, it's regarding others have have ambition. You can't account for people like you know. The, the man, you know, the people that come in and bought Man City and and now Newcastle. That is that the club showing ambition. You Look, know, it I doesn't think, mean. Yeah, it, uh, again, I don't think he's in particular because I think he means the ones that are have caught up. The other ones that haven't had that money but caught up with us, perform as in we're competing now with them. Like Tottenham, I remember Tottenham were literally a, a, a team that always fought relegation battles growing up, but now here they are. But. But again, it's different game because of how the money spread out now in the Premier League, like reward money wise. You get literally more money winning, like getting relegated, like finishing bottom of the league, than winning the Champions League. So it's a lot easier for the the lesser teams to bring in players. Obviously, we'll eventually go and poach. Along like we saw in Liverpool like, a few years back under Klopp, they went and poached Mane, Robertson, one hour all in one summer. Like they posted. It's just, yeah. I mean, as you say, Liverpool did it the right way. They went and they did. They had the right recruitment team in place to mm. host the players, but also anyone that didn't work out, they got top dollar for. I mean, they got thirty. What was it thirty five million for a player that didn't even play a single Premier League game? No, no. So it just shows if you have the right team in place, you can do good business. It's just we've never had that good team in place, as we've we've, we've documented that for years. We've said that. But hopefully we're going we're getting we're going in the right direction. There's probably what one or two, as you say one or two bad eggs still in the club, but we need to get rid of in the summer. But probably I think they're going on freeze. If so, good luck to them. Exactly. And it, I think it'll make it'll make our, what's going to make our job easier in terms of recruitment and bringing in upgrades and better players as what we're seeing. I want to play for the club is being in Europe, be it Europa League or Champions League. Champions League will be a bonus. Like you said, we have no divine right. To be in the Champions League spots, which we, we, we all know, we all agree on that. But the fact, that the, the thing, the thing is, our main objective this season was just to get back into Europe, into European club football, no matter what, be it Europa League or best case scenario, would be Champions League. But Europa League was a requirement, basically, a, a, the base, the, the basic requirement, just to get us back into Europe. Because two years out of Europe would have completely screwed us. The fact that we, as, as we've already said, we're in this, we're not, we're not, only are we, not only are we in a discussion for European football next season, but we're in discussions for Champions League. Mm. I think it's about a year ahead of schedule. I was listening to um, uh, one of the Athletic podcasts. I think it was James McNicholas who's on there and um, David Ornstein. And he said that Edu would earmark next season, 22 to 23 season, to be the one where we, where we actually really push and challenge. And, um, you know, it's, I think we're ahead of schedule. I think we're, we're surprising the, the rest of them, um, you know, regarding our directorship about how well we're doing this year mm. with the young team that we've got. And, you know, that comment there about, you know, so as investment comes in, we should give up on trying to compete for titles. Where would you get out from? I mean, I don't agree in the slightest. You know, what we, we're trying to, we swept the floor clean, brought mm. in, we've worked smartly last summer, 
bringing in really talented young players to try and build a squad that can grow to, to, together and nurture together. What else are we supposed to do nowadays? We're not going to go out and get Mbappes and Haaland's and all the best players that come up around because they get snapped up by your Chelsea's and, and Man City's and the other clubs, you know, buying Munich's and stuff. We can't compete like that. We've got to try it a different way. It doesn't mean that we've given up. No, um, what we've got to do is what Liverpool basically did. Yeah, exactly. We're that's trying basic, to do it organically now. After. That is a model because it, it works for us. And, it's, it, and it is working so far. You know, I think yeah. we are exceeding expectations as far as our league position goes at the moment because if we win our games in hand, which is an if because it's the yeah, Premier yeah. League, anything can happen, we are going to be in the top four. And, you know, I think we should just be proud of what's happening at the moment. In lots of cases, don't. I mean, you have you. Were, I was on your watch along against uh, Wolves. I was going yeah. mad, wasn't I, in the second half? Yeah, that, I was I, I, because I think it's totally because of my anxiety and everything like that. I was just like, but you know, I've had a few days now to calm down and re reflect on what happened. Mm. And we've got to be really proud of what I mean. We've got to start having players sent off. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But I mean. The sending off had no common sense thrown into it from the referee. No. I, I agreed at the time that Martin and these two isolated incidents were both yellow cards. Mm. But in that sort of heat of the moment, a referee, I think most of the time, any referee should just say, look, go up to him, give him a yellow card and say, look, I also, you should, you're lucky you're not getting another one because you did that over there. You did this here. Just calm down. Mm. And, just give him a ticking off and say, next time you're going off. Yeah. But he didn't do that. He didn't apply any common sense whatsoever. And he sent him off. And I, I said at the time, didn't I, that it was the deserved sending off because of both the incidents. But again, you know, I've had a few days to reflect on it. I think, it, come on, you just got to show a bit of common sense there. But we had another player sent off, which is the fourth time in six games. And it just can't, cannot carry on like this. Um, but, what we showed again was a massive amount of character and resilience um, to get through that game and come away with the three points. And that, those three points are going to be massive in the uh, towards the context of the league because they were a massive threat and they are a massive threat to us. So I think I think we just just, just be proud and just enjoy what's going on at the moment and just let's just hope that we can apply a bit of consistency for the rest of the season because we finished last season really, really well. And let's just hope we can do it this, this time running, around. Yeah. We're talking about, obviously, we're going to the game now itself. Uh, talk, we're going, we're going to the, the main topic, the red card. As you say, the logic sort of come into place. And someone pulled up, there's quite a few things that have been pulled up on this rule that basically justifies what are discussed at the ref and why the likes of Martin Keown, for once, is actually saying enough for us on the, on, on the punditry and all that, saying... What was done was wrong. David Seaman was saying today, look again on Sky this morning, he was saying the same thing. Why was no logic brought into it, like we've just said now? And on here, I've got a screenshot here of the advantage rule. Basically, it is what, as I'll read it now. If the referee plays the advantage for an offence, which for, for an offence for which a caution or sending off would have been issued, had play, had play been stopped, this caution or sending off must be issued. When the, when the play stops. Uh, however, if the offence is denying the opposing team an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, the player is cautioned for unsporting behaviour. 
if the offence was interfering, interfering with or stopping a promising attack, the player is not cautioned. Yet, we, as we've seen in the video, Peter Walton saying, well, he was, he was stopping a promising attack. So that's why he got, he got the second yellow card. So that's, that, 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 that ruled out. It's on the official FA side. Contradicts what Peter Walton, the likes of Peter Walton and Dermot Gallagher are saying. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I mean, you know, I've, it's, it's, sorry, it's just that you know, it's just I don't know if you watched the game yesterday, may not be so Southampton. They should have been, they should have finished the game with nine men. Hey Maguire almost takes an anchor off at the end of the game. Mm. Uh, Bruno Fernandez tries to f- throw fists at uh, James Ward Prowse. VAR doesn't pull it up, doesn't even get looked at. I know. Been us, <laughs> we're getting, getting that. We're getting sent off. Fines galore. You know, there's a. I don't care what anyone says. There's definitely something in the referees' heads that's been there for a very, very long time. Where Arsenal do get treated really harshly. I'm not saying there's like some kind of conspiracy thing going around where they've all got together and said let's let's stuff Arsenal up. But I think there is some kind of. I don't know, some kind of subconscious thing going on in, in some re- referees' heads where they do treat us a lot more harsh than any other clubs. I mean, can you honestly tell me that Burnley shouldn't have had a player sent off for a, what, I can't remember what it is now, it's over 100 games, 111 or something like that, 111 like that, yeah. games. You're telling me that they shouldn't have had a player sent off in all that time with, with the sort of the, the way that they play football? I'm... Maybe they shouldn't have, but you know the next the next team. I think that uh, the longest time this was going back about a week or so. I think uh, that I last heard that stat that the next team had something like thirty game run without a red card. You know, and I think it was um, Orbino said that Thomas Partey had been booked for his last three tackles. Mm. The last three tackles that he's made, or fouls, sorry, the last three fouls that he, he's made, every single one of them has been a booking. Yeah. And it, it, I just don't, I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable, really. It really is unbelievable the way that we do get the rough end of, we seem to get penalised to the, to the absolute maximum for everything that we do mm. in a game. You know, because most things you can, you can see, you know, potentially you could say, right, well, that's the yellow card. That's a, that could be a red card. But it's, in lots of cases, other teams will get the benefit of the doubt where we don't. Mm. So, yes, we, we need, need to learn lessons and we need to cut out some of the stupid stuff. But when you, what you can't do is, is, is measure against the, you know, the, how much common sense the referee is showing in these games. We've got mm. no control over that. So I, I just think that, yeah, I think the best way of putting it is we get penalised to the maximum for everything that we do, mm. whereas other teams don't. And it, it's so frustrating, it's unbelievable. Now, like I said, I held my hands up during the watch-along and I said that that should be a sending off. It was the right thing that it happened. But then, you know, I had time to watch it again and again. Um, like we all did after the event, and I had time to calm down. I just thought, yes, that is the maximum that he should have, he could have got for doing what he did. Mm. But there was again, there was no common sense shown, 
the referee was being extremely pedantic. Mm. And he had to want to, like, like I think Mikel Arteta, words to the effect of, he had to want to do that, that referee. Mm. Even Keown's saying it as well, Martin Keown, he's saying it on all, all platforms. He's yeah. You have to want to, <laughs> for him to, for him to be as, get them cards out as quick as he did and do and beat us so rash, like boom, like you book for that and now that one, oh, that's that one and here's, here's the red. You have to want to want to, you have to want to do that in that moment. Yeah, it's perfectly put because I totally agree. It's it's just really frustrating, and I'm not saying we're you know we we're right down in the in the league for you know fouls given away really and yeah. stuff like that. We we're not a dirty team by any right. stretch of the imagination, but we get penalised like we are. Yeah, and. You can watch any other game over the weekend and players get away with, you know, twice as many things as any of our mm. players do. And, yeah, whilst to say there's there's no sort of, you know, secret conspiracy theory, you know, against us or whatever, I just think there is some kind of subconscious bias going on there that has been lingering around for a long time. There's a lot of referees who should have been moved on by now that have been doing the game, you know, playing refereeing games for over 10 years, you know, 10 mm. to 15 years, you know. Well, Mike Dean's been doing 20 years. Mike, the Mike Dean's of the world, exactly. But they're not being moved on because there's not enough good younger referees coming through. And they've always had this subconscious bias against Arsenal in their heads and it just won't mm. go away no matter what we do. And there's nothing we can do to get rid of it until they they move on and other younger referees come through. Hmm. And I've said this before, but the only other way of getting these referees is being the best league in the world is to get the best referees in the world to come over. Hmm. We've got the best managers in the world, best players in the world, get the best referees in the world from all four corners of the world, pay them enough to, to make them to want to come here and referee in the best league. Hmm. Um, I think that's the only way of, of improving the quality and standard of refereeing because some of the referees, I mean, they've got proper full head of grey hair and they're overweight. Mm. And it's thinking, what, why are they refereeing in the best league in the world? Why are they well, doing it? Why have they got this job? Who's is that? Oh, I can't remember his name now, but he's been refereeing for a good, as I say, ten, he's got me around 10 to 12 plus years. So he's been a referee, and I've always ever t he's always, I don't know how he passes the fitness test, but that way because he's. Always been overweight, but the shirts they trade their kit the kit they wear. He has tucked in, and you can see the outlines of his stomach all the way around. Without being rude, and it's like, how's this guy keeping up with the with the with the uh, intensity and the and the, the fast speed of this league at that level? I know. He's, not, I don't... he's, never, he's never been a spring chicken. This guy. I can't remember his name, but again, he's another one. It's a People, as you say, people, people don't want to buy into this. There's a conspiracy against Arsenal thing, right? Or unconscious bias, or it's just it's just poor refereeing, just the, below. But why is it always us that gets the bad decision decisions to go against us? I know. Why is it always us? I mean, you know, the, the classic. It goes back so many years, doesn't it? But I mean, you know, the 
like the classic one against Wolves away, which has obviously been in the news recently because of our last match. Mm. You know, what happened to David Luiz last year and when we were absolutely dominating the game. And it's just laughable, wasn't it, really? I mean, it's like he, you know, he got hit by a Rizzler paper and went Mm. over that player. It's like he got an immediate red card and a penalty and got the ultimate punishment. Yeah, for... and you got to get the ex-refs and all that come out and say, "Oh well, if if definitely in that moment, because we're, we're talking about David Luiz now, if he'd made a challenge for the ball and wiped the player out, it would have been a booking and a penalty. But because he doesn't make an attempt to no, no. wipe the player out, it's a straight red. How does that make sense? Surely it should be the other way around. So even the even the, these rules that they put in place have no logic to what they implement. There's, and there's so many rules as well. And it's got to a point, I mean, Mike Riley runs the show now that we all have our opinions on him, the fucking two-face, you know what, after what he did at the 50th game. But the, the referees are way too protected now. But to a point where you can actually book a, a book or send off a, a manager, even at full time. They, I know. I mean, was it a few weeks ago, Vieira came over after the Liverpool game, came up to the ref, asking why did he give that pen? That pen could be crucial to obviously my, not just my job, but to the club I'm managing where they finish in the league. That could be massive for us. Mm. And instead of answering, you constantly get, you can see, you can see it and getting told, go away, go away, go away. Not going to do that? Okay, off you go. There's, they're way too protected now. And why Mark Ryder's at the, at the helm and they don't have a decent, someone that has a brain to actually not have them overly, overly protected like they are and actually holds referees to account when they make mistakes and brings through young blood a lot quicker and trains the referees either way to a standard where we don't have these issues on a week-to-week basis where there's not this unconscious bias towards anyone. We're going to have this constant... This will, this will only get worse. Mm. I know. Well, it's like Warren said there. I, I, mm. I've got no doubt that that's the case, Warren, but mm. you know, it's, it's no use to us, is it? You know, it's yeah. absolutely no use to us if that's not happening. Why are they not being fast-tracked enough? Why don't they get taken on full-time and trained consistently, you know, put in a six-month constant, you know, um, uh, you know, fast-track type of training environment per full-time mm. and then put them straight into the Premier League rather than them having to work their way up through the amateur divisions and all that sort of stuff. You know, if surely they've got the capabilities of doing that, I don't know, but th- that should be the case. Mm. You know, and bring on like an, a, I don't know how many twenty a year, so you've got enough to cover the VAR and uh, on the pitch, and obviously for, you know yeah. for four four officials per game, and plus the VAR people, fast track these people, so we're producing twenty young, good quality referees every year. I mean, utilise some of the uh, retired footballers, even from the lower leagues. They'd be worried about what they're going to do as a next job. They're probably, the people that have been plying their trade for years and years and years in League One and League Two or non-league football, if they actually paid these referees what they should be getting paid to retain them and, and recruit them, the best people, they'll probably be earning more money than they did in their football career. And they'll be able to, you know, have a a, a good career for a, another, 
I don't know, say 10 years of being a referee within the game. Mm. Um, and then they could go on and, and, you know, train the new ones coming through. But I mean, they would have a great knowledge of what it's like to play football. Mm. And it would help them in their decision-making on the pitch. Mm. Just, a, just a thought. But um, I mean, Stephen in the chat, he's saying, I've said we be using this to create a last for everyone. Everyone is against us and have a strong United team like Fergie and Jose. And also, I'd also throw George Graham into that as well because anyone knows, <laughs> as old enough to remember, in the 1991 season, the famous Battle of Old Trafford, we got deducted two points. We were getting torn to pieces by uh, the media left, right, and centre, and, and rival fans and all that alike. And there's a video, there's a clip going around, I think it's in my my Facebook group page, it's on there, where he's basically saying, look, the media having a field day, da, 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 but we got to do our job. We've got to stick together. We've got to do this. He's, he, he's, he sort of did build that us against us against the world sort of mentality of the club. It sort of brought the team together. That's why we had the success we had under George Graham. I think I think he's trying to do that, don't you, though? Yeah. I mean, you can see that, again, even in the performance against Wolves, you know, how it was backs against the wall hmm. type of mentality. And it happened against uh, Liverpool away as well in the Cup. And we've seen a few performances like that. And I think that's why he's got the broom and sort of swept yeah. out all these pl other players that we uh, got no future at the club. And why he's done a, such a massive spring clean on getting rid of so many players since he's been here. Because he wants a young group of hungry players with the right mentality in the changing room. And I think he is trying to build that sort of mentality. And I think we are seeing that kind of, uh, the benefits of that coming through at the moment. Like I say, in, in the last game. Um, well, four of the last six games, for example, where we've gone down to ten. Day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, 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 you do see signs like that, though. The way they celebrate goals, the way they mm. celebrate keeping a clean sheet, the way that they they are all grouped together in in lots of occasions. It does seem like that is getting there. You know, I'm mm. not saying it's perfect yet, but I think that the, with the recruitment that the they're making now and the people that the players are bringing through from the under 23 level into the first team I think they are trying to fester that type of mentality uh mm. within the yeah what did, what did he call it Arteta himself a brotherhood yeah he called it a brotherhood didn't he and I think that's what he he's always wanted since he came in I think we're just starting to get there now after the two years because the, the change around in the squad was never going to take five minutes was it no. And the amount of players he had there that he needed to go, we all knew, know that that he needed to go. And, um, you know, even like Callum Chambers made his debut for Villa today and he, hmm. he virtually, he nearly gave away a, a penalty. It was given, wasn't it? But then VAR said it was just outside the box. I mean, you know, we needed to get rid of these players because they were not, as much as I like Callum Chambers and he thought he was a good guy and a good squad player, he was never going to be the right, he had to be ruthless and he's never going to mm. be the one to take us to that next level. So he's making the right decisions now and it's uh, it's finally starting to bear fruit. Yeah, I mean, also Brian comes in and chat and says, the trouble, the trouble with our elites is that they are not elite and the VAR referees are using it to protect the referees. Yeah. I have no problem explaining to players or managers my decision, my decision, decision. Sorry, less soy boy, more sense. What soy train. boy? Well, I don't know. It'll probably come back in a second and say what it is. <laughs> uh, 
Shane, big up Shane, is saying there's a parallel that is that there is not no great English reviews. Referees, I think. Referees uh, and English managers. Maybe the education system is run by former refs who were no good at first, but a whole new system is needed. Yeah, I I refuse to believe that you can go to university and learn any kind of job and go straight into like a top position within a big company. You're not given like time in, (laughs) you know, like in the... um, sort of a youth set up before you get promoted then are you in that organization mm. you know you go and you go there and you get qualified like a nurse and, and you go straight in to do your job i mean mm. surely they can do a proper education system for these referees in order to make them ready to go and start managing pr- premier league matches make sure they're fit enough make sure that they're competent enough um, you know, they could train them for, I don't know how long it would take, maybe six months, 12 months, who cares? As long as they, they're they actually doing it on a regular basis, enough to release so many, I would say, I don't know, grab a figure out the top of my head, like I said earlier, 20 per year to put into the Premier League system. Surely that's got to be possible. Yes, it's got, it's got to be. Cause... Can't be that hard. You know, you learn your theory and your driving test, don't you? Then you go out and do your your actual test, practical test, and and then you're off, you're driving. You know, (laughs) just do the same with referees, get them on the pitch. You know, referees in their 20s. Yeah, I will say this, though. Look who runs the the show, though. Not exactly Um, a a fantastic ref himself, was he? Well, they they shouldn't have their own um, PGMO, whatever it's called. They they should be governed by... The The Premier League, the FA, FIFA, ultimately, and they should be held to account for what they do. They should be made to give explanations for really controversial decisions that could cost the club relegation. It could cost Mm. the club a top four place. It could cost the club an actual league title or a cup. You know, and this Mm. this is so detrimental on the... The club could lose millions and millions of pounds. It could lose a manager's job. It could be that important. So why are they not held accountable to say, we made a mistake and this is the reason why? Or, you know, and they'll be happy to get the praise when they get things right, but they're not happy to, to actually come out and explain their, their mistakes, are they? So they should be held accountable. They shouldn't be able to hide behind their own organisation and, and not make any kind of comment whatsoever. Uh, Warren's come back and saying, uh, snowflakes at the higher level cannot take the criticism. Problem, problem. a brand new ref goes out in the wind and the van gets abused badly, gets £40 and quit far too early. Well, this is what I mean. They shouldn't get. They shouldn't be in that situation for no. the highest level. They should be trained to the highest level and get paid equivalent. I, I don't know how it's true true it is, but I heard that the the basic ref, referee um salary for the Premier League is fifty grand. I mean that's ridiculous and that's why you don't get any referees that are from the London area for a start, because they wouldn't be able to live in on that in lots of cases mm. because of the cost of living down there. And that's why most of the referees are from up north. It, we're talking about the world's most important football league, you know, that's broadcast to billions of people around the world. They should be paid to make the decisions, get it right, and be paid to be competent enough 
and attract the best referees from all over the world. So they should be paid, I don't know, say, for example, two, 200 grand a year. That would quadruple their salary so that they are 10 times more professional than they are now. They're younger than they are now. And that way you can attract the best, best referees from South America, from Asia, from all across Europe, um, Africa, to come to the, the Premier League if they're, if they're good enough. But we should be able to attract these people and pay them to come here, the same that we do with all of the, the rest of the players and the managers and everything else that goes with the league. It's, it's an utter shambles. And it should be held, handled directly by the league itself. The Premier League should have the best referees from all over the world because it is the best league in the world. So pay them that way. And then they, we wouldn't have that sort of situation. It's just a joke, an absolute joke. You know, I, I, I hear that the, you know, the actual world-class, well, suppose not, not world-class, but the best, best of the best referees that go to the Euros, that uh, go to the World Cup and everything, go to the Champions League and the Europa League and referees all those top games, they can earn up to 250 grand with all the extras that they get for all those extra games and internationals and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But if you paid the best referees, you know, like I say, a, a really good salary to referee in the most high-pressure league in the world, then you'll get better refereeing at the end of the day, more professional refereeing. Uh, yes, that's the person I was on about, yeah. Yeah. Tom yeah. yeah. He, he has to stop to have his inhaler halfway down the pitch when he's trying to keep up with play. It's a that's joke. Right. Yeah. And he's been, like I say, he hasn't, he's been that way, so I say, in terms of his physique and fitness for, what, 10, 11 years now, maybe longer. Hmm. He's got, he's, got, he's got, as you say, he's not getting any, these guys aren't getting any younger, they are getting older. And the the ones that come, the ones they are fast tracking through, they're, they're fast tracking through, they're not, they're not good enough. They haven't got this, they're not, they're not doing it the right way. I mean, obviously, Stuart Atwell was banned for four years initially, years ago, this was before Mark Roy took over the show. He got banned for four years because of the, the Remember the, the ghost, the ghost goal between mm. was it Reading and who was it against Reading and Derby or something like that, or something Reading and Wolves. It involved Reading anyway, and because he basically balls up there, he got banned from refereeing for four years, and then after that ban was was uh, seen out, he got fast tracked to Premier League. Yeah, it's like that, my son. My son's a qualified referee. He became a qualified referee at fourteen. I think he went on a. Of course, I think it was, I can't remember how long it took. Two weeks, I think, or something like that to learn how to ref. And um, when you get to that stage and, you know, you you know by the age of 14, you're not going to be a professional footballer. You're not going to get to that level. And But he still loves the game, still wants to be involved in the game. Yeah. It's when that's at the point where who you want. they show, yeah, exactly. You show the desire to become a referee so he can go and referee you know, kids' games on the weekend and get 10 or, 10 or 20 quid per game or whatever it is. When you when you go to these courses, you should be cherry-picking those best people that show the most best aptitude, the best fitness and everything like that. And you think, well, would you be interested in sort of going on a training course? You know, keep them, or just keep, mm. keep them monitored until they reach, reach mm. sort of adult age, see how they're doing, you know, during those mm. games. And then at that stage, when they've left school or whatever, say... Right, 
son, do you actually want to take this further and become like a, and train to become like a professional referee? Yeah. And you, I mean, what kid at that stage, when you want to stay within the football game, is going to ha- turn down the opportunity of training and then starting to earn a, a really, really good salary for being a, a proper professional referee? It's, and have, it, it, it attract the best people. Yeah, and have the rule systems in place. So obviously, start them off at certain league levels and then depending on their performance levels for that every season I mean, if they're done yeah. if they're doing well reward them and upgrade them to the next level and the next level and obviously there's incentive if there's an incentive there that every season they could be possibly upgraded to the next level of refereeing a football league or whatever be it obviously non, from non-league to like, semi-pros to actually like league two league one for a season and then reassess things and then Again, if you're performing, you get the upgrade to Championship, maybe, and League One. And then eventually, Premier League, depending on, but you've got to show cause, cause the consistency there. And mm. obviously, that's without VAR in place in them leagues as well. If you can do, if it, there's in, if them sort of systems in place where you go, boom, every year, we, we come, we, we review your things every every summer. And if you've done, we don't, if you're exceeding or basically having your literally top of the class basic so to speak this is your reward you get upgraded to the next league or that or the next tier basically yeah if they, know, if they, if they know the golden ticket of Premier League football is in is in their hands and they, there's a potential of being in the next few years again you're going to see vast improvements and people will stick around and obviously in terms of payment as well I mean more than 10 years well here's juice a level 4 ref travels everywhere maybe 200 miles a week and gets 60 pound yeah. So the disparity between the levels, and again, that's got to be improved as well. Not just having the incentives there, but also, as you as you said, pay these pay these guys properly, exactly, so they can survive. You, how many people are, you know, when they're younger, desperately want to be a professional footballer, but they're not they're not going to make it because they just haven't quite, you know, got that ability, and maybe go to an academy, drop out the academy, but they're really desperate to stay within the game. Imagine if you go mm. get these really good people. And they've got the opportunity to become a Premier League ref eventually and earn, say, I don't know, again, I'm just throwing it out there, say like a 200 grand a year basic salary, but the potential maybe to, if you get to the top of the, the game, to earn like half a million or more because you go to the World Cups, you go to Champions League finals, mm. you, go to, you go to Euros, you go to all this sort of stuff. So you can up and up and up your salary by incentivized refereeing, you know, if you've got the opportunity of staying within the game and being on the pitch with world-class footballers and refereeing the games and earning a, a salary of up to, say, half a million quid a year by getting there, by being incentivised to do so, how many how many really, really good quality people would absolutely go for that as a proper, real good opportunity to earn a great living doing something that you love? I know it's like... Um, Really, really high, highly pressurized at the top level. But that's mm. if you've got the right training at full time, mm. professional training for these people. So they are 100% professional right from the start when they go into these training courses for whatever it says, you know, six to 12 month training courses or something. If you've got the right mentality to do that and, and reach the top and you can get trained on handling the pressure and all that sort of stuff, then you would get so much more of a higher uh, quality referee right from the start. And Mm. it would be so much 
better off and worthwhile long term down the line. Um, you would not get the kind of mistakes and you'll get a lot more consistency if they're all trained in the same way as well. Um, it just makes so much sense to me when you're dealing with the most important league in the world, in any sport. Premier League has got to be, along with the maybe the NFL or something like that, mm. the top league in world sport. And you need the best referees in that. Mm. Um, of course you do. No, just to finish off before we move on to continue on with the game itself, what was the point of making these referees, like the referee association here, professional? If they're not going to do the right thing by the people you have, like, that want to be in the job as a career, like it's like your son and all that. What's the point? There's no point of making it professional and giving them, having that, having that incentive of being having a, having it at some point being a full time job if you're not putting the things the right things in place in the first place because they're making it so hard for them to get to that point as well. Exactly. That's what I mean. They've got to make it easier to attract the right type of people. Mm. Because if you are, like what Warren's saying, great input, Warren. It's brilliant what you mm. put in all in the, in the chat. Thanks ever so much for, for yeah. it. But if you get these people that maybe earn 60 quid a week for traveling 200 miles and using their own car and fuel and all that sort of stuff, and they're getting abuse nonstop, left, right and center, that they will all just walk away from the profession. It's not, not mm. a profession then, but, you know, they'll always walk away from the job because they think, what the fuck am I doing here? Why am I, why am I doing this for this sort of money with no incentive to get any better, to progress myself? It's it's great what they're doing, you know. It's yeah. virtually voluntary, isn't it? I mean, they get a yeah. bit, of, bit of pen, you know, pocket money, basically. And I think, why the hell am I putting myself through all this? Because they've, they've got no chance of ever progressing and coming to, into the professional game. They should be taken on in, in the sort of a central, um, sort of, say, training academy from the start. You know, some of them, you know, but specifically for the EFL and the Premier League. So mm. they can go and be a professional referee from League Two right up to the Premier League. And the youngest ones who come through, they can start off in League Two, League One, but they're getting a prop, they're all getting the same training and the same intensive training, professional training, and right from the start. And the very best of the best, they'll get pro- sort of fast-tracked up to the Premier League straight away. It's just it's just a way of doing it because you're always going to need your, you know, your sort of that level that Warren is on about referees for grassroots football. But when you're talking about the professional game, which has got millions of pounds riding on it, you can't mess about. You just can't do that. So they need some kind of centralised professional you know, refereeing system within this country because we've got 92 professional league clubs just in England alone. And then you've got all the Scottish clubs and all that. You know, they all need proper service. And they all need proper training and they all need to be professional right from the start. I, don't, I can't see any other way around it. And, it, you know, the FRA, FA obviously probably penny pinching by doing the way, doing things the way they're doing, but we're never going to get consistent refereeing if they're not being trained in the same way right from the start. And they're all, not fit mm. enough to keep up the game. Uh, it just it just makes a mockery of what we've got, and we we're supposed to be the envy of the world football with our with our football pyramid, and it's not being serviced right. 
again, a lot of good points been made, and obviously Wine being the ex, being a current ref for years, helps is helping us out with discussion as well. And much of you, as, as you say, much of you appreciate the points he's been making in the chat as well. Um, but the, go back to the game itself, taken away from that now, going to the actual performance of the team itself, with with and without Martinelli. What was, what did you make of it? I mean, obviously we dug deep in the last twenty minutes, every inch of our life. Then it got accused of celebrating. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, 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 right from the start, I, I thought it was. I predicted, didn't I? The prediction show. So it was going to be one nil to Arsenal or nil nil. It's going to be yeah. really hard because Wolves are a really good side, and it, it proved exactly to go to plan. But I thought yeah. when we got the ball, which Remember, we were the away team. People expected us to dominate the ball, you know, start to finish. But that's never going to happen in the and hardly any teams. Maybe Man City and potentially Liverpool might go to Wolves and dominate the ball for most of the game. The rest mm. of the teams aren't going to do that because it's a tough place to go and they've got a good home record. But when we did get the ball, I thought we were quite, you know, positive with it. You know, we weren't sort of... It was our first game in 18 days as well. We've got to take that into account. I'm not mm. sitting here making all the excuses just for Arsenal, but I'm just saying what I, I see and I'm just using a bit of common sense because it was our first game in 18 days. So it was going to take us a little while to get into the game. When we got the ball, I thought we did quite well with it. We mm. weren't being as... Uh, we weren't on top form by any stretch of the imagination, but I think we weren't trying to sit back and soak up the pressure initially. Mm. Um, before the sending off, I thought we gave as good account of ourselves without hitting top form. So I thought, yeah, give good credit to them. And the game was playing out exactly as I thought it would. But then that moment of madness came, which you don't need to relitigate because that's what we spent about an hour talking about. And then <laughs> after that, I was mad with Arteta on the watch along. Yeah, for the subs. Because. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really wanted us to... I, I've always been the sort of person that thinks attack is the best form of defence. Hmm. So I wanted us to try and gain more control over the ball because once you go down to 10 minutes, it doesn't mean that you have to throw on an extra defender and get rid of an attacker. That's hmm. not lit, That's not written into the rules of football. right? What you can do is try and keep the ball as far away from your goal as possible and try and carry on playing football. Because... Down the years, a lot of teams have done really well with 10, 10 men, including us, by the way, under Arsene Wenger. Remember, we mm. went through a stage of have, having loads of... We were on the front page news of all the newspapers for the amount of sendings off we were having. That's but we still went time, to... Yeah. It, we seem to play better <laughs> with 10 men. <laughs> now, I'm not saying you know, we're going to relive those days again, but why You know, why not try on occasions? And we'll 1-0 up. And rather than sit back for 20 minutes... Why not try and carry on playing some football and keep the football at the other end of the pitch? So I was annoyed um, by the sendings off. It really aggravated me at the time. But obviously, like I said, we've had a few days to calm down and actually think about things. And you cannot knock the the, the team for its effort. Mm. I still wish we hadn't done it that way, but we did do it that way. And when Rob Holding came on, which I was raging mm. about that substitution... It, in particular but uh rob holding i mean he put in like a absolute sensational performance Mm. you have to say 
I can't remember all of the stats off the top of my head, but I think he made something like nine clearances. Um, he won six duels out of six. He made the goal line clearance. He won three tackles out of three. Uh, pretty much a man and a match performance within those 19 minutes that he was on the pitch. So you cannot knock him. He was absolutely outstanding. And once again, litigates my thoughts about him being a great <laughs> you know, a great backup defender because he, when, when you want a defender to come on in that situation, a really tough situation, 10-man team with the backs against the wall, when you come on and you're thrown into a back four, which became a back five when you came onto the mm. pitch, and put in a performance like that, you just have to say, wow, that was fantastic, mate. That was really, really good. So uh, you cannot fault the commitment. Um, we weren't ever going to be, sort of, you know, like Greece Lightning on the pitch and, and hitting top form because of we have got no rhythm again at the moment. And it's sort of such a shame we've had to wait another nine days till the next game because you only get that sort of rhythm and confidence and that by playing football just, games. Yeah. But yeah. I think when you consider that the three points was the most important thing mm. out of the game and we came away with, there with three points, which not a lot of teams are going to do, it was a great perform. I mean, you just got to say it was a wonderful, wonderful night, really. Yeah, one hundred percent. And as you say, Rob Holden, I was going to touch on him. He was an absolute unit. I mean, the extra, the extra mouthpiece in that defence to calm things down and consolidate what was going on and kick on and sort of protect what we had, but at the same time, make sure the lots of Ben White and Gabriel. Didn't make any, didn't lose their heads and make any vast challenges to that could have cost us because permitting yeah. refs being permitting refs. Um, so yeah, I can't fault. And another one we have, we didn't really give praise to get, we didn't really get enough time to give praise because we were too busy ranting about the subs. Was uh, Cedric mm. we start the stream? I'm thinking, oh no, what what's going on here? But he had a good performance. We've got to give him praise. Give praise where it's due. We all were we enough to slag him off for the game. Get, even ball would even be kicked. He actually just he actually decided to turn up and put one of their performances in. Which you think, where's that? Where's that consistency, mate? Because if you if you did that on a consistent basis, we, we would actually be we'd be so relaxed if you're getting picked. He's never going to get that consistency in his game because he never plays enough games to be consistent. And he's a similar sort of player to a lot of you know fringe players that we've got, whereby. You know, similar to Pablo Mari, obviously came in at a similar time. He's much maligned because he's never going to be that player that's long-term mm. first-choice right-back. He's never going to be world-class. Um, but I, I honestly think that you can count the real terrible mistakes he's made on one hand since he's been here. The rest of the time, he's just not really let us down. He's been an average player, um, had some... Games that you could say are really good, you know, seven out of ten, and then six six out of ten type of games. He's not. He's never really been a major problem. It's just that we don't want him in the squad. You know, we've got preconceived <laughs> ideas about him, and when you've got those preconceived ideas, it's, it's almost impossible for a player to change that around. But he had one of those games where he didn't let us down. Mm. He wasn't world-class or anything, but he was really steady and strong. And uh, Yeah, he did his job. And uh, mm. that's all we can say really about Cedric is that he definitely didn't let us down. He put a shift in mm. um, against Wolves and uh, 
we should be grateful for that performance because he did exactly mm. what he should have done, being a reserve right back. When our right back mm. isn't available, he should come in and give his all, and that's exactly what he did. And yeah. you can't say much else, really, can you? Yeah, I mean, do you think the, the fact that Tommy Asher hit the ground running and he sort of, Tommy Asher himself, his performances have sort of raised the bar of our fan base because obviously we had Bellerman for many years and look how it turned out. Do you, and obviously, was it we've had the boot she didn't really work out in the end? Sanya was the nearest thing we've had to a decent right back since the Dixon and Lauren. Do you think, obviously, Tommy Asher sort of raised our expectations of a decent right back so good? That obviously now we get, when he's not available, we all shit the bed now because mm. of who we've got as backup. Not, not we need a new right back in the summer, back. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I I would love us to go and get um, uh, God, what's his name? Jed Jed Spence from mm. Middlesbrough. Um, obviously playing at Nottingham Forest at the moment. Someone or someone of his, of his ilk. Someone yeah. who's ilk who would push Tommy Asu in exactly the same way that Tierney's being pushed by Tavares, a young, hungry player who would relish his chance of coming to a club like Arsenal and um, hugely talented, would, but wouldn't throw his toys out the pram, expecting to play every single game. Mm. Uh, that's exactly what we need. Um, I'm not saying it has to be Jez Spence, but from what you've seen of him, he looks like an absolute quality player. Six foot two, same as Tommy Asu, um, big, powerful, strong runner, in exactly the same way that that Tavares is on the other side. And I think if he he's the sort of player who was sort of set with the right sort of age profile to set right into our team perfectly. Um, and I think that you know Cedric will probably move on. But I, I he's not certainly not going to be the sort of player that will slag off after he's gone and say, well, how crap he was. And all that. I, don't, I don't think he has been crap. I think he's been a decent hmm. signing at, as, a, as a reserve backup player, to be honest. And what, you yeah. can't sign a world-class backup player, can you? It's just, they don't exist. No. Because there wouldn't be a backup. So yeah, I don't think he's players. been a... I wouldn't label him as being one of those signings that has been a complete disaster at all because no. we've got him on a free at the end of the day. I, mean, I think we may have paid a, a small loan fee for the initial six months or something, but it's going to be peanuts, really. And he's, mm. he's for the majority of the time, he's performed since he's come into the team. He did it as a really good cross in the final third. Mm. You can't knock him for his crossing. It's, it's his defensive work that leaves a lot to be desired on occasions. But... Um, like I said, I think the major sort of mistakes that he's made that's gone on to cost us a goal, I think, you know, you'd be lucky if you can count them all on one hand. Um, so he's not been a disaster by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, if he moves on in the summer, he'll, he'll go with my blessing, really. Yeah, you've got a question in the chat by Colonel, by the way. How much are those Arsenal lamp lights? Yeah, I think uh, Warren's answered it. In fact, Warren, if you can get them for nineteen ninety nine, that's a bargain. I think I paid more close to, to 30 quid for mine, but that was quite a while ago. They may have come down in price since, but yeah, they're really good. It's not got, it's not plugged in at the moment, but I think it might have old batteries in it. Yeah, old batteries. They're flickering. They're on their last legs. But yeah, it's good. I, I, if you can get them for nineteen ninety nine, yeah, go and rip their arms off, mate. <laughs> One, who do you know? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm apparently, a, yeah apparently they have. Wait. One, where are you seeing this? Because I haven't seen this. Yeah, post a, post a link to him, Ron, because uh, I, mean, <laughs> I, I must have had mine about 
five year for five years or more now yeah. and uh i'm sure i paid maybe 30 34.99 or 30 30 quid something like that but yeah, yeah 90.99 bargain yeah yeah if you post it you post that in the, the link in the thing for kernel as well and obviously for us we'll check it out later like, you know there you go um Another again, touch on our defence, Gabriel. I mean, this season, as a whole, this season, the improvement from last year. We 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 knew it was good last year. He had a bit of a dip after after he got his COVID about in December, but this year is a different animal. I mean, last was it Thursday? It was just if he had the ball and he controlled the ball, even if it was like a shield in it, no one's getting it off him. He's physically improved this year and you're we're seeing it in a week-to-week basis yeah yeah he's only going to get better as well at his age i mean he's still really young for a center back i mean can you imagine when he's like 27 28 you know and sort of really in his hitting his prime what he's going to be like he i mean when he went down um against walls i think we all thought oh my god you know we were so worried weren't we yeah that um, he was going to be off injured, so thank God he wasn't, um, because he'd be a massive miss. But mm. yeah, he's rapidly become our number one defender. Um, proper Sol Campbell like figure, isn't he mm. at the back? He's sort of helped Ben Absolute White as beast. well. Hasn't he? You could say he's helped Ben yeah. White certainly. Oh, I, do you know what though? I, yeah, he has without question. But I think Ben White's helped him as well. And I think that's why he's, again, looked a hell of a lot better this season. Not just because of Ben White, don't get me wrong, but I think Ben White alongside him has been a really good thing for him as well. Mm. So I think they complement each other really well. But I mm. mean, he, his size, his stature, his you know real sort of strong will to win that ball... Um, He's a proper old-fashioned type of defender in a really good way. You know, mm. he's got the sort of Tony Adams grit about him. And, uh, yeah, he is another candidate without question for captain. I mean, my mm. I've made my feelings clear on the captain. I think it'll be, and I think it should be, Erdegaard. But I also think that um, I'd be really happy if it was Gabriel as well. Um, the only doubt about him, as everyone knows, really, is the fact that you know he's still not. Even though he's been here a couple of years, he's not speaking the most perfect um, mm. English, is he? Which is weird because you can learn the language a lot quicker than that. If you mm. if you're given the opportunity at a, a world institution club like Arsenal to be their captain, you go out and learn English quickly. You know, mm. it's quite an incentive, isn't it? Really. Um, I mean, I lived in Sweden for a year uh, once back in the late 90s and I learned Swedish fluently within a year. Um, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't the easiest thing in the world, but I, I had to. You were forced to learn English as, when you go and live there. Um, but it, so it can be done from scratch and just get, you know, take it seriously, Gabriel. Go and learn the language properly. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I think that he's been one of the best signings we've made in many years, isn't he? Really, when you think yeah. about it. When you, when you, when you compare um, to Jay Maguire, eighty million for Hay Maguire, we got we got Gabriel for what yeah. 20, 23 mil? I think it was less than that. I think he was about eight, eighteen 
something I think I might be wrong, but anyway, even if it was 23, it it's was, still a massive bargain, <laughs> absolute bargain. And uh, another, I mean, he when you when you throw in the, the signing of him, hopefully, the signing of Saliba when he comes back to us, um, and a few others before that, like Martinelli, we've, we've made very few mistakes in the transfer market for what. Maybe three or four windows now. You've got you mm. obvious ones like Willian and so on and so forth. No one could have predicted how bad he was going to be, but it turned out to be an absolute dog shit of a, a signing. Mm. But they, that's there's not been many. You know, we had Mari and Cedric as well. Again, I don't like I said to you. I don't think Cedric. Mm. Well, you couldn't even say the same about Mari, even though it's Maybe not his fault. He weren't playing Mari. in the end. Yeah. He didn't make many mistakes, did he? No. And I think he only cost us what eight million quid or something like that, and he's, he served the purpose. Yeah. I don't think we're going to lose money on him. So uh, you know, when you add him into the mix along with our six signings in the summer, you know, it's 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 really positive, really positive. That we're doing our homework better than we ever have in a long long time. And it's uh, if we can get Saliba into the mix for next season, we'll have White, Gabriel, Saliba. And probably holding is a is a back four. Yeah, holding, you know, like, holding on my one or two. Yeah, four so four uh, centre backs. There's not many teams that have got a strong centre back set up as us. If that's the case, it really puts it really um, soothes the mind. Really makes you worry a lot less when you know that you've got quality like that at the back. And even again, look, just touching on the centre backs. Left back situation is pretty much sort of got a team. You've got the, what, the Nuno Tavares in terms of a backup. He's young. In terms of Tavares, he's going to make mistakes, but he's at that age where he can improve and he's going to, he will improve. He will iron out the, the mistakes he's made because he has made a few mistakes, but he doesn't let it get him down. He, he knuckles on and he's like the mentality as well. And I think the only real issues we have to sort of address and strengthen is literally our second midfield options and we're to get into it now. The striking options in the summer, we've got sure we've got to get upgraded up in that position because it, if we get if we do best best case scenario get Champions League football for next season, it won't be because of Lacazette's scoring record or Eddie even Kate's scoring record. It'd be because of our midfield. But Lacazette, even though he, even though he missed that opportunity the other night, I do say what he does bring to us, he brings other players into play to get the, get the goals from midfield now. Because again, he hasn't been the same terms of goal, as a goal striker since he's done his ankle a couple of years back. Yeah. But yeah, we've got to, surely, surely if we get your, as I say, either your opening or championship, we've got to upgrade on them, upgrading that side of things. Because if not, we're in trouble. Well, there's no doubt. Status. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no getting away from it. We will. We're, we've got to. And I'm I'm confident we will as well, but I uh, I'm losing my patience a bit with Lacazette. I, again, mm. he was getting the brunt of from me, wasn't he, in the watch along? Because it just you, it wasn't just you. <laughs> yeah, but a lot from me. Uh, but he, <laughs> I don't deny that he's he's been an important part of the build up play, and he works really hard. And it, I'm, I'm so grateful to him for not giving up and chucking in the towel, even though he's leaving yeah. at the end of the year. Yeah. Because um, there's no doubt he's not, you know, he's not, not sort of, um, 
given up already and chucked his toys out of pram and thinking, no, I can't be bothered. Because you can see that he is bothering. Mm. But he needs to do more now. And that, mm. that miss is not good enough in the Premier League. No. We, we're giving him too much leeway and making too many excuses for him now. Because it, it happens game after game after game. He had two very, very good chances on against Wolves and one really respectable chance. And he hasn't taken any of them. And when you're in the Premier League, you've got to. You've simply got to. I mean, it would have put everyone... Uh, it would have saved so much anxiety if you'd have scored that one-on-one against Wolves and put it to 2-0. Hmm. And the fact that he didn't even hit the target is just simply not good enough. And... For all his good work in the middle of the park and bringing others into play, Smith Rowe could do that. And he offers more of a goal threat at the moment than Lacazette. Mm. But Lacazette is taking his place in the team, as far as I'm concerned. And I don't think it's fair anymore. So he has to, yeah. I, I think he has to start on the bench. Smith Rowe has to come on. Um, and I would play Smith Rowe in his position centrally and leave Martin Lee wide, as, as I've mentioned to you before mm. on several occasions. That's what I would do because there's nothing that he does that Smith Rowe can't do. Smith Rowe, when he came on against Wolves, looked really rusty again because, again, he's not been playing. He needs to start having a run of games now to build up his confidence and match fitness again and get his, get back into his groove because he mm. could score us the goals to get us into the Champions League. Whereas Lacazette is taking his place in the team, and I think you can confidently say he will not score the goals to get us into the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, with, in terms of Smith, I think Smith was, it's guaranteed Smith is going to start against Brentford because of Martinelli's situation. We can't appeal it either. So, for one game, definitely it's going to start. It's from the Wolves' home game onwards, where, as I say, I was going to have to make the big calls, I think. Realistically, we'd have to stop playing Smith. He's our top goal scorer. Let's not forget but, that. The guy's adding goals to his game. He's still, what, 2021. 20, He's been one of our I, best players. And We've got to stop being sentimental with our choices a lot of the time. And it's, Like I said, he's not our future because he's definitely leaving. And we yeah. can't keep playing him because everyone thinks he's a really good guy and he's trying really hard. We've got to be a bit more ruthless in the respect that we are definitely going for a, a Champions League place. And he's not giving us any assists or goals. Hmm. For a a striker or a forward player, whatever you want to call him now, he's got to chip in with these and he's just simply not. And that that miss, I'm sorry, but he's just, (laughs) however much we think he's a lovely guy and we're going to miss him and that is just not good enough. No other top team would accommodate a player, no matter how nice they were or how hard they were working, if they continually missed. And that was an easy chance for a Premier League striker. And he didn't even hit the target once again. And that one where Saka put put it on a plate for him in a virtually exactly identical type of goal, or should have been a goal, to what the one against uh, Southampton where Saka crossed it, it got across the edge of the box and he put it in top corner. If you yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. But yeah. this time, he put it straight into the goalkeeper's arms, didn't he? Hit it straight yeah. at the goalkeeper. It's just simply not good enough, mate. And, I'd, you know, the link-up play and the strength that he shows and all that sort of stuff, it's all lovely, but it's nothing that 
I don't think uh, Smith Rowe could could provide for us. And Smith Rowe has just got that knack of getting into the box at the right time and creating space to sh- to shoot and score. And Lacazette is just missing that from his game completely now. And you know, you, instead of having Smith Rowe as a, as a substitute option, have Lacazette as a substitute option to bring on instead. Let's play our future. Let's play our best younger players that have put us into this position because it's not the young players that have let us down this season. It's the older players. Yeah. So I think it's really unfair at this stage now to continually play Lacazette and at, at the expense of Smith-Rowe. But like yeah. I said, luckily, Smith-Rowe is going to get a chance to start, hopefully, on um, against Brentford. And let's hope that he takes that chance and makes it impossible for for Arteta to leave him out from now on. But he need, he's going to need two or three games to get back up to speed because he's been out with his injury. And then, obviously, another two and a half weeks and that break that we've just had. So he needs to get his groove back. Yeah, definitely. As I say, I'll, be, I'll be surprised if he's not starting against Brentford just because, obviously, the suspension in place. So he's going to have to... He has to face, surely. He has to start because the options yeah. we have. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it takes, I think, I think the opposition we have in terms of Brentford is going to be a big benefit for us in the sense of their form isn't the best at the moment, Brentford. So, it's, again, it could mess, this could massively benefit us. And plus, we're at home. We're, we're going to want to right the wrongs of what happened on opening day of the uh, season. Because, again, the media will be out on Saturday. Uh, yeah, Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoff on Saturday. They'll be out waiting, waiting with blood. Hoping that we balls this up on Saturday now. Hopefully we won't. I don't think we will. And then we've got Wolves. I mean, again, Wolves, fucking hell. Oh dear. But I do think, as I said, I do think we're going to comfortably, not comfortably, we'll beat Brentford and then Wolves will be Wolves and will get the result there. And then after that, we've got, what was it, Watford? So the next three games are winnable games, really. Mm. One, obviously, Wolves will be the bigger, te- bigger test out of the three. But I think we've been at, we're at home and all that. And we've, we've recently beaten them as well in the last what, couple of weeks prior to it. I think the momentum's on our side, really. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we I just wish we'd not got this gap between the you know, games at the moment because <laughs> it's almost like, you know, we've got to start again. You know, um, we're, not, we're not able to build up the momentum that other teams are because... They would have played three games in the space of time where we've played just the one, you know, and uh, it's not going to do us any favours in the long run, really. So um, I just can't wait for us to get stop, get back into a groove. Mind you, we've got another bloody uh, international break in March, I believe, haven't we? Which is yeah. going to be <laughs> really annoying, but um, I know. So, yeah, I just can't wait for us to start playing regular games again where we can start building up that bit of momentum and, um, yeah, a bit of form going. Because it's, like I say, it's almost like total stop-start at the moment. Mm. So, yeah, hopefully we will put the right, sorry, put right the wrong of the first game of the season, uh, the weekend against mm. Brentford. Um and then I, I've got every confidence that we can do Wolves again at home and with a bit more of a better performance and keeping 11 mm. players on the pitch. We were a better team against Wolves away. Mm. Uh, up until the sending off, we were more threatening. I'm not saying we were, mm. we're nowhere near our best, but I thought that um, 
we have more threat going forward. We look more. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 we've got nothing to fear from them, especially at home in front of our fans, um, and with a full team to pick from. I don't think I'm not as fearful as I was before the game that we just had with Wolves. Anyway, mm. about the home game one. Yeah. So yeah, let's uh, be positive. Let's be positive. We've got a good run of games coming up. We've got to make the most of it. Yeah, hundred percent. And just on obviously Brentford, what do you think the scoreline is going to be? Or you're not going to wait for a few more days? And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so long. It's still so long. Six days. I'm, I'm really again, once again, I'm really hopeful that Tommy Asu is going to be back. Uh, because before people. before the um, Wolves game, Arteta said training, he, was, yeah. he said he was training hard. So. With another nine days to, to prepare, he should be, surely, should be fit. Um, I'm going for a, a, a good win. I'm actually going, you know, personally, I'm going to go for two or three nil against Brentford. I'm really confident right. about it. Um, I'm good. Sorry, we're going to have it stupid there. I'm going to go myself. I'm not... But again, based on their form, the fact that we're at home as well, we're going to, again, as I say, right the wrongs or what happened opening night of the season. <sighs> Don't be offensive, I hate you, but I'm going to say 4 0 here. Three, four, it's got to be 3 4 0. Yeah. Comfortably in that sense. And obviously, take our chances. That's the main thing. Take our chances. We could absolutely have a field day and help our get our goal yeah. difference up. Again, it's built, not just that, it's building the confidence of the team as well going forward. Two Wolves at home a few days later. Then you've got your Watfords, who are going to be scrapping for every point you can possibly think of. Behave yourselves. And then you've got, what's it, Leicester coming up, Villa, all the all the little niggly teams that usually do do well against us. There's the sort of games we've got to get take points off. And in the meantime, when the North London derbies rearranged, uh, Liverpool and Chelsea later on down the line, I think Liverpool, Liverpool and Chelsea will be rearranged around near the end of the season. Just because they they'll be going deep into Europe and they won't have the uh, the schedule that we've got. Basically, they're just waiting on them. But they are say, I say near the end of April, early May, we'll get, we'll have to play them games. And again, by then that could benefit us as well because if they've if a for example Chelsea are still in Europe, they ain't got the lead to go for. They've only got Europe. They're going to do what they did last year, put all their eggs in the European basket to try and re- retain the title. And Liverpool, they're going for a title, or Europe, or both. They're, again, they're going to set the foot off the gas. So we've got to, again, it could benefit us massively. It could be the, the difference between us being in the top four or just missing out by a point or two. Yeah. In the meantime, we've just got to do what we need to do: beat the teams we should be beating, and take the points oh, off. The, exactly. take, take the points off the rivals in and around us. Yeah. Beat, beat exactly. A point or three. Oh, I, you know, like Steve said in the chat, he said he's put a 2-1, it's based on the lack of games and effects. I think that's the only mm. thing at the moment is, is I don't think the gaps are helping us at this stage of the season. People will mm. say, oh, we've got a lot of time to rest and get, get fit again and all that sort of stuff. At this stage of the season, I don't think it's going to be a help. I think it's a, a hindrance, if anything. Um so yeah, that's a that's a worry for me as well, Steve. The fact that we're not playing every week, um, but I do fully expect us to beat Brentford quite comfortably. 
I do expect us to beat Wolves at home as well. Um, and I just hope that we can start keeping regular on, on a regular basis 11 players on the pitch. I know it's a joke now. Yeah, it's become a help. bit of a joke. Yeah, no, but it is a serious matter, isn't it? Yeah. Because, because for the last half hour against Wolves, you could see how much it mentally drained us as well as physically drained us. Mm. And that's not a good thing. You know, so we've got to stop doing that. Um, I don't know how he goes about doing that. I mean, Arteta sarcastically, I mean, people took it, <laughs> you know, some people, honestly, you know, you just worry about them um, because they took it seriously when Arteta was saying, I've run out of ideas about how to stop people getting sent off. Being sarcastic, for God's sake, if you can't see that, I mean, he's, he's as frustrated as all of us are. I mean, what are you mm. supposed to do in those situations? You've got no control over those stupid on-field moments referee decisions and yeah. bad decisions by players you can't control that as a manager when you're on the sidelines again, but the heat, um sorry again in the heat of the moment i was saying that in that watch on we did he needs to haul them in in the morning like the first thing friday morning haul them in, in, a, in an emergency meeting have words basically tell them it, this keeps on happening these these are uh, punishments will be uh for like fines and all that we will be double or treble compared to how Considering how long this goes on for, because it ain't long, because it's letting team. I mean, people people like to throw shade at the air when he obviously his career because he had nine years he had a uh, disciplinary issue. It I mean, the, the issue was at the start of his time at Arsenal. The first two three years he had that issue of discipline, but the team pulled him to one side one day and said, "No, you, you need to stop this because you're letting us down. You're putting too much pressure on us, and we can't cope. If you want to stay here, you need to improve it." And, he to a man said, "You know what? You're right." And he went off and improved his game, unlike other people that are currently at this club. But people still back. Exactly, but you know what? As well, there's also the worry that if you start going too hard line regarding the sendings off and starting to say, "Well, you're going to be fine, two weeks wages, maximum wages, and all this sort of stuff," you with a, especially with a group of young players, you can affect their performance on the pitch by they will be worrying about every tackle that they go into. Do you know what I mean? And that they will, won't be as committed on the pitch if you start being too hard line with it. Mm. It's really hard to to sort of know what to do for the best in that case because mm. they've just got to have that instant intelligence on the pitch mm. to say, split second, no, I can't, I can't do that. So I'm going to be too late if I slide in for that slide tackle. I shouldn't grab hold of that player's shirt, for God's sake. Mm. You know, you've got to have that intelligence on the pitch within that split second to stop yourself from doing these situations. What you can't do, though, is not go in for a 50-50 for fear of upsetting the boss and getting a two-week fine. Mm. So it's it's quite a, it's quite a difficult yeah, it's quite one to manage, yeah. really. So, yeah, so, I, I don't know what the answer is. I honestly right. don't know what the answer is. Just, you've just got to hope that these players... I mean, someone like Martinelli, you, he will learn from that. He's such yeah, a young, young player. Learn, yeah. Absolutely. Players like Jacker, he's already said, I ain't going to learn from it because that's what well, I'm going to do. You know? to. No, exactly. And that is that is why we've got to move on from him. Whether you like him as a player or not, he lets the team down on too many occasions because of those stupid brain farts. And he was lucky again against Wolves, wasn't he? Yeah. He did it again against Wolves. Yeah. And within a couple of minutes, I can't remember if it was before or after of that 
stupid free kick he gave away. He did a really bad tackle that he was lucky to get away with a card. Hmm. Was it, did, wasn't he one of the, one of the challenges he made? He literally grabbed a player by the shirt and yanked him to the floor. Yeah, that's the one I was on yeah, about yeah, where he gave the free kick away on the edge of the box. But well, I think like, it was. What are you doing? I know. Well, two. I, I can't remember whether it was two minutes before or two minutes after. He made a terrible tackle that should have been a yellow card, and he was so lucky to get away with it. So that would have been a sending off again. So. I don't know what the answer is there. I mean, you sh- we need to move on from Jacker, but we can't at the moment until the end of the season. Until so he's else. got to play. Um, 16 games, is it? Six or yeah. Seven. You've just got to hope that young players on Martinelli will learn from it. You've just got to hope that the other players will learn from Martinelli's mistake as well. Um, and you've just got to keep reminding them as a coach, just look, just make good on-field decisions at the on the pitch. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be, yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I've already said. I've already said my piece. Yeah, I think it might be a bit harsh, just to come down and say, look, every single person that gets sent off is going to get two week, maximum two weeks fine. Um, blah 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 blah, because you, you will stop them going in for the fifty fifties, and you just can't do that. You can't when mm. you've got to be committed in the tackle. Yeah, I mean, you know, probably about things like when you've got Steve and the Arsenal Misfit saying, I can see us saying, we need those players on the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Russ will, Russ will say anything to wind us up, won't he, Russ? Hi, Russ. How are you doing, pal? Yeah, Russ is in the chat as well. He's very happy that you're here, by the way. Oh, bless. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're here, Russ, as well. Missed you. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah. I also say, I mean, we've covered most of it, like main, the main stuff, haven't we? Yeah, well, considering well, considering it's just two of us and we're going for nearly an hour and three quarters getting on for, it's not yeah. bad, is it, really, for just two two people on their own? Yeah, well, at least a game, at least a game in the weekend's given us something to talk about, really. And as you say, we haven't, we haven't even kicked a ball and we're in a better position than what we all <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> one step closer to winning the league and we didn't even kick a ball. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Oh, one last question: Do you think there's a discipline issue with the players, or is it just a ref agenda? Well, the first hour, Russ, you have to listen back, mate. Because <laughs> yeah, the first please. hour, we talked to, <laughs> we talked about the refs, so there's no way we're going to go through that again. But um, honestly, I'm not even joking. I think it was the first hour we were trying to put the world to rights with referees. Like Forty-five minutes at least of it. Yeah. Yeah. So go back and listen to that, and uh, we just we just basically did touch on the players situation as, as well so i think we have covered it all off mate but so just listen back when you get the opportunity either you know on spotify or whatever or watch this watch this show back afterwards and you'll get your answers hmm. and with that yeah i've just wrapped things up i know i've you get some rest and fucking shattered now <laughs> yeah, out. well actually i wait till i get myself ready and watch much of the day and watch tottenham lose again <laughs> what time's it on tonight? I, can't... I think I'll double check. I'll Half ten. No, I play one second. Look at the phone, phone. I haven't watched Match of the Day or, or Match of the Day two for so long. I think I might actually sit and watch it tonight. Menu, <laughs> uh, TV guide, BBC One. Half past ten. Yeah. Cool. I'll give that I think a watch. It's a game, <laughs> well, there's a lot of ladies' games as well. There's uh, 
the WSL yeah. show after the after match yeah. of day two tonight no, as well, aren't there? Yeah, that's like basically the theme, basically the, the women's football version of match of the day, basically, for anyone who doesn't know. They go through all the weekend's games, highlight form, and analyse them. So we're going to see a lot of, that should have been a pen on Friday, da, 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 da. we should have had two, but anyway. Mm. I just, I've loved that all weekend, all weekend, that sort of got my grind of my gears, actually, that that game, all they focus on is Leah Williamson handball. They didn't mention the, the uh, was it um, the Carter foul on Caitlin or yeah, the handball by Carter about 20 minutes beforehand. Oh, no, because it was the last minute. It's, it's against Arsenal. Let's just focus on that. But you go with that. I mean, there was a Manchester derby today, wasn't there, as well? That took yeah. place. Yeah. So that, One nil City. Yeah, well, bloody hell. So let's, let's go slowly creeping up the table trying to get a Champions League spot, aren't they? Yeah, well, could have been three or four, according to what I was listening to on the radio. Yeah, I was, I was at it as... Had it um not had the game on itself, but had people talking about it in the background, and they were saying literally the city was completely dominated. You wouldn't ever have thought United had so such good form going into this game. No, no. But yeah, so yeah, it'd be interesting to watch. And there's obviously international women's game it's going into international football now. So yay! <laughs> mm. I can't watch Arsenal women for another need like the fortnight basically, and that's the, and that's the the rearranged game when we come back. But yeah, as I said on Friday, I'm rather, I'd rather be in our position have points. Like, like Yana said, I'd rather have points on the board than games. Yeah, definitely. He's got a point because there's no guarantee, even with them games end. I mean, one of the games end, it's against Tottenham for, for, for Chelsea. So they could have a massive... They, they could literally have a massive say in the Tottenham race. Yeah, no. Tottenham fans, who do you want to win the WSL? Chelsea or Arsenal? Hmm. <laughs> Remember, remember, was it 99? Last day, it went down, the title went down to the last game of the season between us and United. Tottenham had Man United at Old Trafford and we had Villa. Yeah. We, we needed Tottenham to do us a favour and they, they just didn't turn up that day. <laughs> just went, okay, <laughs> you can, off you go, off you go, Man United, you can have to win. Exactly. Let's just go and sit down on the side of the pitch for a pie and a pint. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, that. Done my head in, but it is what look, it is what it is. Um, yeah, so obviously, what have you got coming up on your channel? Well, I don't know. I've got, um, I don't know about Tuesday because uh, I'll have to let you know on that one, but hopefully, there'll be a show on Tuesday. I might have to make it a bit earlier than normal. I don't know if you could be available a little bit earlier if possible. I should be uh, available to yeah. come on, I should have all my stuff done by then, but I should be available, yeah. Uh, yeah, so. Fingers crossed, I'll have an earlier show as the normal on Tuesday. Um, and that'll be good fun. Looking forward to do the game against Brentford more than anything else. And anything that's cropped up in the meantime. Um, but yeah, we really enjoyed it tonight. Been a good old show, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, we really enjoyed it. Been the two of us. And yeah, as you said, we've had, lot, we've had a lot to talk about. Mainly the referee, obviously, for the first 40 odd minutes. Whoever, then... by the way, whoever. Um, unsubscribed from my channel just don't stop taking the piss and resubscribe because i was hovering <laughs> i was on 400 for one day and some other per, some idiot just unsubscribed to make it 399 again then it's really ocd in me out so can someone just go back in and resubscribe to my show please thank you very much 
Oh my, it did it. I remember, I remember back in them days, it, it did it in me. I went, was it the, the 300 mark, the 400 mark? They'd always do it and literally go over and then they just move on. I don't normally right. bother about things like that, but that's that's made, made, really me, sort of, made me on edge. Yeah, <laughs> it would take the hell out of me, trust me. But it's like, just make so your so mind. So whoever whoever did that, please go back and re-correct it. That'd be lovely. If you're not subscribed to From Dial Not Square really. to Wear, From Dial Square to Wear, go and find it. And um, I'll... I'll put a link to it in the uh, in the chat if I can, and then yeah, can, please yeah. go and give me a sub. Yeah, whilst you're looking for the link, I was also say you, you can also catch the audio of your podcast on like Spotify and all that, all the other platforms, audio yeah. wise as well. That that the audio for your pod, your stuff goes out the day day after, doesn't it? On the, not the, the Wednesday afternoon. Yes. Itself. Yeah. So you've got that as well. So you can obviously don't, you don't have to obviously. If you miss it live, you can also listen to it back. Listen to it back. You don't have to literally go into the channel and watch it back. Watch it back, so you can actually go and listen to it on the go. So you don't have to sort of just sit and stand and wait for it to go for it. You can actually just you know, headphones on and get, go about your day, basically. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good point. It certainly is on uh, all the major channels. Um, but you can also ask one more favour. You can also rate podcast now mm-hmm. on spotify so please go and give us a five-star rating both uh, ryan and myself both our podcasts on spotify and that will help more arsenal fans find our content on there as well thank you yeah, yeah definitely 100 and thank you for that as well i appreciate it but yeah the audio for this and uh, a couple of other podcasts will be going out in the next trying to think now, the next hour or so uh, so keep an eye out for that on spot as I say on Spotify the Mr. Arsenal podcast and obviously from Dial Square to Wear respectively. That is sorry, Mr. Mr. Bungle, you're absolutely right. That's where I got the name from. Well spotted. <laughs> from de- from despair to where it was. <laughs> oh dear, but yeah. And with that, guys, thank you all for coming along. And Russ of I think you're both worth for four and a half. Four and a half, that's ever half. <laughs> Russ is a cheeky well, fucker. Yeah. Well, well, it's, it's Russ trying to hint it. He's out of a half, and this he comes on. He don't, we don't get the five stars now. Okay. No, he's just being a, a <laughs> typical ass, Russ. You should know him by now. Oh, dear. <laughs> Russ, I know we, you live down the road from me, so it's not even go there. <laughs> just saying. Um, yeah, basically, guys, I'll see you later on during the week with more content coming out, a lot of content this week, and obviously. Friday, possibly another podcast got touching on anything that's happened during the week going into Saturday. Then Saturday, obviously, three o'clock kickoff, go, we'll go live at half, half two, half hour before kickoff. We'll go for the teams, hopefully, myself and a few other guys that are available. We'll do what we usually do, have a bit of a laugh, enjoy the game. Hope we get the three points, and then we come back for the match of the day stream later on that night. Hope you get to see us to win, relive us winning and Tottenham losing again. And uh, Sunday, match of day two, obviously, and then the podcast the following day on Monday for the Saturday game. But yeah, hopefully, we'll be available for that and a few other guys if we can sort that out. And I've got to sort out the over the Arsenal overrated eleven uh, podcast. Got to sort that out as well. Get, get people lined up for that. If you're if you're interested in that, Andrew, let me know, and I'll sort the dates out for that as well. Yeah, well, I was supposed to come on the last one, wasn't I? But it was my son's uh, parents' yeah. evening. Your parents' evening, that was it, yeah. Yeah. 
But Stephen's asking, who is it? Who who is it? Who has been arrested for doing a Greenwood? Yeah, there's um. Oh God, not another. The name, not another one. Name hasn't been released on this one, so we'd no one knows. Oh, fuck, these footballers are doing my head in. They're just too much too soon, uh, Ryan. It's, that's what it's all about. It's too much too young. What's the old Scar tune? Um, mm. Much too much, much too young. And this is exactly what it is. You know, they they think because they start earning tens of thousands of pounds a week when they're like 18, 19, 20 years old, that they can just do what they like. They're above the law. Yeah. Nothing applies to them and they just get away with anything they want because of the money that they've got. And it, it's... You know, they're pampered. They don't have to do anything in their lives from a very, very young age. When they go into a, like a Premier League academy, they're mollycoddled mm. from the age of 9, 10, 11, 12. They don't learn any well. domestic skills. They don't learn any, how to look after themselves. And most importantly, they don't look, learn how to look after other people and respect other people. Mm. And because they earn tens of thousands of pounds a week, they think they can get away with blue murder um, and that they're above the law because they can afford the best uh Lawyers solicitors yeah. out there um so they just do what the hell they want uh, and that includes people and cats and dogs and whatever goes goes in front of them unfortunately and that's the problem and unless they've been brought up properly by decent parents like you know you can tell players like Bakayo Saka have done because they've got manners mm. they know they're polite then unfortunately you're going to get this happen all the time and uh it's sad. It's very, very sad. And, and on, the, on the other side, I'm not, this is, please don't think I'm ever defending any, any of them, but on the other side of the coin, you will also get the odd footballer who will get incorrectly accused because they're an easy target as well for people to try and get them to extract money from them. Um, and that will happen from time to time as well. What was it, what was it, was it 2002? The, was it Leicester players or Leeds players? Woodgate? And a few a couple of other, yeah, it was Leeds. Jonathan Woodgate, a couple of other players got falsely yeah. accused of it, and it turned out it obviously yeah. was a false allegation just to try and get themselves a quick, easy few quid, basically. So that doesn't yeah, happen. Black, so black when genuine people come yeah. forward, like the recent with you know, Mason Greenwood's other ex, ex or whatever's going on there, when she comes forward, you, st- you get idiots out there, don't either believe her or just make the excuses. And it's, Pain in the ass because that's not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now I would never, you know, say that that's happened in any case, but it just means mm. that they've all got to be properly um, investigated and mm. to make sure. But those mm. sorts of things are going to happen all the time because of the amount of money these people make. Yeah. But on the other side of the coin, they're not brought up correctly, and uh, they're they're not oh, brought up to with how yeah. to respect people, respect items, and respect uh, animals and stuff like that. Unfortunately, it's, yeah, they're, they're rich your, beyond their wildest dreams. You're on four hundred one now, by the way. <laughs> You've got another sub as well. Says I'm sub two. Oh, love Manix. Thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, again, where's hashtag? Hashtag find Rich, hashtag find Ricky, <laughs> Richie, Richie, Richie. Um, what was I say now? Z- uh, the Zuma situation, obviously, Graham Sooness. I don't know if you've seen, he spoke up passionately tonight, obviously, on Super Sunday about the situation. He thinks he shouldn't play, and I agree with him, he shouldn't be playing for the club at all, whilst especially yeah. whilst there's an investigation going on. But in, in his eyes, until, until further notice, he doesn't play for the club. Well, 
Yeah. Uh, all down. I will say is, he shows no one was... walks, and no. basically, if you watch the, in the video, he even says in the video, the, the, they're filming it and they're laughing and they put it out on their own social medias, hacked or not. They've, been, they've put, they've filmed it either way. That ain't normal. They have, as you say, they haven't been educated the right way clearly, or that is the way they've been brought up. It's wrong. And he's only apologised because he's, he's been caught out because he thought he's put it out with the laughing emojis, thinking it'll be a laugh. And people found it a laugh and all that. So clearly, he's not. He's apologised. And even if you read the statement, it's I apologise to the people I might have that find what I've done offensive. So he's not. He's a half-assed apology as well. I mean, West, I mean, as I say, West. I've been saying all week. West, as you know, West Ham really balls this up. This week, they had one thing to do. All they did was a fine, step in the wrist, and oh, we're supporting, we're supporting the investigation. Well, in the meantime, he he shouldn't be playing. And to and to say, name him, name him in the starting eleven, and then suddenly say he's been ill for the last twenty four hours, been sit up sick all night. Then why you put him in the starting eleven in the first place? I just reckon, reckon you 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 got the heat, come back at you with the with the denouncement, and you thought. No, can't risk it. Can't risk it. Take the take the next. They, they said it on uh, Five Live. Yeah, they mm. said it on Five Live that um, he was out there during the warm up, and then when mm. he was getting the heat from all the fans, including his own fans, by the way, mm. um, booing at him every time he went near the ball during the warm up on the pitch, he then started to lean forward and hold his stomach on a few occasions. So that is why he didn't play. He didn't want to. Um, get the heat from the fans. He couldn't handle it. Oh, thank you very much, Troy. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it is a brilliant album. Um, but yeah, that's exactly why he didn't do it. He couldn't handle the, the heat. He could, so he had to get out of the kitchen. So um, it was, um, oh God, what's his name? Um, the pundit. He used to play for Palace. The, oh. Um, you, you know what I mean? Clinton Morrison. Clinton Morrison. Yeah, it was him. He was the one that was most honest about it. He goes, look, he's not injured. He's blatantly not injured. He was named in the starting lineup. Um, he's feigned, he didn't say he's feigning illness, but mm. he made it quite obvious in the manner of the way that he was putting it across that that's what he decided to do. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And it, let's be honest, right? I'm, I'm absolutely being honest here. If it was one of our players, and even if it was Bukayo Saka that had done that, I could never support that player ever yeah. again. We'll be, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be reacting the way I have done this week, the exact same way. There'd be no different. Yeah. I'll, I'll, any of our players, no matter how yeah. important they are, if my manager also said, well, he's playing because he's one of our more important players, like so I'd lose all respect for him. I'd lose all res- obviously all respect for the player. I would not want him to, no matter how important he was to the team. I wouldn't want him playing for the club mm. because that's the type of person he is. Thinks it's funny to do that. No matter how many sort of um, fake, remorseful Instagram messages you put out there, mm. that's rubbish. Because you're just trying to appease the fans now. That's the real you. Because that mm. that video was posted online of you doing it and laughing from, from your own all dark, the time. Own time. Yeah, that's the that's the person you are. Not the not the pe- you know the the person who's just trying to win back all your sponsors and the fans after the events happened by saying what they want to hear. That was the real mm. you. So that if you're that type of person, I don't want you anywhere near my club. 
no matter who they were in the Arsenal team, I didn't, I couldn't care less. I wouldn't want them playing for me. No, exactly. That's a, that's sort of how we are. That's what people need to understand that certain things are wrong, and we're going to if they, people, if it's our club or whoever, we're going to stand by and defend the defenseless people, the defenseless basically, as in defensive in terms of this case, the animals that have been basically attacked and abused when they can't defend themselves, we're going to stand up for them. When you've got what's happening with the Greenwood situation, we're going to defend and get behind the victim in this and show the support to the right people and ridicule the people that have done wrong. Exactly, the, the, yeah. But yeah, and if, if this, whatever's gone on now, whoever it may be, oh, it just does my head in. As I say, people, people of kids are giving it way too easy nowadays. It's not like back in the day, for example, Ray Parler had the Ray Parlers of this world. They had to do apprenticeships at the club. They had to earn themselves into the club itself whilst training, earn that respect, earn a little a pen, a penance here and there just to get their foot in the door at the club, just to be noticed by the club and had and basically be uh, brought with the basic values of basically you haven't made it if you if you think you made it this is this is where you'd be going basically the the, the main the senior players will just give you a clip around the ear back in those days bring you back down to to level I mean all right Stan even our best players like when Ian Wright signed it's quite well known mm. fact that he was only on he didn't even know how much he was signing for he did signed, he yeah he was but when he found he was getting 750 quid a week which don't mm. get me wrong you know i think we'd all love to earn you know decent money like that especially back there in those days but um they weren't on a fortune back then that's mm. they had to really work their way up to get that sort of level of money it's almost laughable now. No, the Premier League footballers get out of bed for 750 quid. It's just like something they'd find in their wallet, you know, that they haven't touched for God knows how long. It's just like small change, isn't it? It's like, mm. it's just unbelievable. You know, my son told me, the, uh, I was driving them back home earlier on to their mums, and they, he said Mbappe earns a pound a second. And I'm thinking, one pound a second. And I think it, that's depressing. I'm sorry, that's depressing. It's just an utter joke, mate. And uh, honestly, so when these players do start earning, you know, forty grand a week when they've barely made a first team appearance, or something, mm. in most cases they haven't even made a first team appearance yet. They do honestly think they can get away with anything. They're just they're above the law. They're not taught about how to handle day to day living. They couldn't live by themselves because they wouldn't have a clue what to do. Wouldn't have to turn a washing machine on. But the most important thing is they don't know how to respect other people. So that is why they get to this stage because they think they're above the law. And they they don't know what the real world is like because from the age of nine, they've been mollycoddled. They've done everything. Everything they've wanted has been done for them. And... uh, Mm. They don't know how to behave. And this is why these things keep happening. So, 
Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah, I bloody mean, hell, Stan. Get to the hospital, mate. Yeah, quick. Go yeah, to go to A&E. Don't be sitting there watching us. Go and get, to, get yourself to A&E, mate. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's on his way. He's just popped in to go, hi. That's why he's been driving. It's like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, um, as I said, we're about, we're about 20 minutes later, but yeah, we are about to things up. Um, as I said, we're CJ late on in the week. And yeah, busy week ahead for us all. And we'll see you soon. Over on Andrew channel and on here as well, and we'll yeah, basically see you soon. And hopefully, in the yeah, meantime, we'll cool. down get there, let the Vasas do the right thing. And yeah, Thank thanks to everyone in the chat as well. It's been brilliant tonight, and thanks yeah, for definitely. supporting me as well by going to subscribe to my channel. But clearly, mm. give every, everyone give us a like before you go on mm. the, on this yes, one as well. Yeah. All really helps. Ryan, you know how hard Ryan works. Give him the likes. Yeah, I can appreciate that. And as he said, on the audio side of things on Spotify, there's that that review system set up in place. So do give us our reviews, five-star reviews and all that stuff over there on there. That massively helps us get noticed a lot more over there as well. And, yeah, we'll see you soon, guys. As always, up the Arsenal. Come on, you guys. Take care. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening to From Dial Square to Air. Please help us grow by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and following the show on your preferred podcast platform. Please also visit our Facebook page, our Twitch channel and of course our YouTube channel. And whilst you are there, please subscribe and hit the notification button so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Please also press the like button on the video so we can get recommended by YouTube to other Arsenal fans all around the world. See you soon.